0: You are listening to the online audio for Jubilee Church in St. Louis. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at www.jubileestl.org. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. A real joy to renew fellowship with many. I know meeting new people all the time. It was great to meet the guy that Ralph just referred to uh, at the end of the meeting this morning. And uh, it's just a blessing. We never know, do we, who's... uh, going to be here we're so thrilled that God is extending his kingdom day by day uh, across the nations and I've often asked you in the past to uh, pray for our church in Dubai because it's been through about three or four years ago big upheaval and I just uh, had an email since I've been in the country which is uh, about a week now saying that their last meeting which is always on a Friday in Dubai they were just under 500 people I mean that's uh, from all around the world but meeting there right in dubai god's given us grace to touch nation after nation and uh, let's pray that god continues to enlarge that i do hope i can be a blessing to you this morning you might like to turn to second chronicles and chapter one okay second chronicles and chapter one let me just read one verse with you but uh, i'm also going to read some other verses there subsequently so if you do turn to second chronicles we'll be there throughout my message and uh Let me read verse 1 to you. Now Solomon, the son of David, established himself securely over his kingdom. And the Lord, his God, was with him and exalted him greatly. Father, we thank you that you can rescue a life. You can put our feet on a rock, give us meaning and purpose, even give dignity To the likes of us, God, we're staggered and amazed. We thank you for these great truths we've been singing. Lord, you can wash away the crimson stain of our guilty conscience, make us white as snow. Think of snow glistening in the sunshine, seems to have a life other than itself. Lord, we thank you. We have a life other than ourselves, better than anything we could produce, given to us freely through the Lord Jesus god we give you the praise we give you the thanks we thank you we are in the house of god now this moment of our lives we're before god we're with brothers and sisters we're with an open bible father thank you for these huge privileges please father let your holy spirit come on us now lead us into truth be greatly glorified in and through us we do pray father in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, this uh, chapter marks a tremendous turning point in the story of the Bible. The Bible is, although 66 books, it's one long story and uh, and the outworking of God's great plan. And just prior to this man, Solomon was the amazing King David. David, who started as a shepherd boy, who famously took out Goliath as you may recall, just a boy against a giant. And then he became king, he built a great empire. And then when he died, you get this statement about him, David fell asleep having fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation. And what a statement, wouldn't you like that on your uh, gravestone? He fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation. And then comes Solomon, he's going to take on, he's going to take on what David left And uh, he's going to fulfill a purpose. And for us, the Bible always speaks about Jesus in terms of his being son of David. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me, we read. And Jesus comes as the one fulfilling that uh, role of David as the great king. And we're rather like Solomon. We, We come to step into the place that he has left. He's done a work. He's completed a work. He's fallen asleep, as it were, but God's raised him and given him glory. And now it's in our hands. The baton is passed to us. And so as we look at David here, Solomon rather, we're going to see an example of one who followed through well, carrying the baton that his father had passed to him. I want us to see it in that way. We're going to look at Solomon, but at the same time to contemplate our own lives and think, Lord, how am I going to be living the best I can for you? So let's see right from the beginning. It says Solomon established himself securely now that's a simple statement and in chronicles it's made simply but in Kings, which uh, if you look at the Bible, it's an interesting book. I mean, it is one long story, sometimes like a river. It breaks into two, then it comes back together again. And so you get, uh, you get one Samuel, two Samuel, one Kings, two Kings. Then you get one Chronicles, runs parallel. Then they come back together again in the story. And in one Kings, you find a, a similar reference to uh, Solomon. And it says of him uh, in Kings that he established himself but it's interesting to notice that it all starts with God choosing Solomon the reason that he was the one to be king wasn't because he was a very impressive guy when it says established himself you can kind of think well is this a self-made man this is a guy who's uh, born on the right side of the tracks and he just really improved himself and yeah he's the inevitable king no 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 it's not like that Actually, David had other sons, and there were others who maybe we would have thought would have done better to be king, because really, Solomon, you could argue, didn't really deserve to exist. What was his background? His background was that one day, this beautiful man, David, he had a flaw in his life, he had a weakness, and there was a time, though he was already king and doing magnificently, there was a day when he saw a woman naked, bathing. And he just suddenly found lust, overwhelmed him. And he went and took her. He committed adultery with her. Arranged for her husband to be killed. And just took her to himself. In a cruel way, just took her. And uh, Solomon was their child. Solomon, if you like, he shouldn't even live. He shouldn't be there. This woman should have been with another her husband. None of David's taken her. And then you think, Solomon is chosen to be king. What does he deserve? He deserves nothing. And it's an amazing thing that God chooses us. And so this uh, we were looking at this morning begins with God's phenomenal choice. Sometimes you look back and think, why did God choose me? You see people baptized on this great little video. And now so many of us, when we come back out of the water, we think, I'm a child of God. Boy, I don't deserve this. God's had such mercy on us. But what a privilege it is to know that if we are Christian, it's because God chose us. It's not because we think, well, I look at this faith, You know, I look at Islam, I've researched Buddhism, I really looked into Hinduism, I thought about Confucianism, and I worked. No, you didn't work it out at all. <laughs> Jesus said to his disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I handpicked you. And the Bible even says in eternity he handpicked us. And that's what gives our lives a sense of purpose and meaning and destiny that somehow in the mercy of God, he actually knew you by name and chose you and there was a moment when he opened your eyes to see him and suddenly your life took on meaning suddenly it's not just well, i go to church now but suddenly you are right in the hand of god you're right in his program and that gives you meaning that gives you purpose and that's true here of solomon and so david says to solomon in the last chapter of one chronicles and first chapter 28 at least verse 10 now consider solomon the Lord has chosen you. Consider this. Be aware of this. There's massive privilege. You've been chosen. And the Bible often makes that point. It's God who initiates. So that even Abraham, Abraham who began the whole deal, he was the father of all who believe, it says God chose him. It wasn't that Abraham was searching for God. It's not that I've got a God thing going in me. He's just a pagan. He's an idolater. And God comes to him and chooses him. So I've got a great plan for your life and then having chosen him is utterly committed to him i mean abraham is not impressive you read the story of abraham you find that even he goes into an, a foreign situation his wife is stunningly good looking and he says to her look look when we get there uh this could be dangerous for me uh they may fall for you uh just say you're my sister i mean what a man to, i mean in, in, threaten the life of his wife and so she says okay okay i'm his sister So the guy says, oh, come with me. And then uh, takes her into his home. And then sickness falls on the whole house. And and, and the guy says, what's going on here? Is there some sort of curse on us? And then God says to him, you call upon my prophet. He'll pray for you. Uh, Your prophet? Yeah, the guy who lied to you. The guy who cheated on his wife. That guy. He's my My prophet will pray for you. What, him? Yeah, him. Because I've chosen him. I've chosen him. It's like Simon Peter. I've chosen you. What, the guy who said, no, I've never heard of him. I don't know the man at the cross. He doesn't even use the name Jesus. He says, I don't know. I don't know him at all. On the day of Pentecost, Peter's preaching. You think, you're a waste of time. No, he's chosen. And to just know the incredible wonder, God chose me. He's given my life purpose and meaning. He's got a plan for me, and he knew how weak I was when he called me. He knew how I'd let him down. When he chose me, he knew Abram was just not strong. He knows you. He knows me. Hallelujah. And he doesn't give up. He says, right, I've chosen you. So we see this. It's in the light of that we find that he establishes him because God's chosen him to be king. And so he establishes himself. And then you look at the King's account compared with the Chronicle's account. It says in uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 46, Thus the kingdom was established in the hands of Solomon. Same verse, really. But in Kings it goes into much more detail. And it tells what happened in those early days when David's getting old, about to die. And actually what happens is another son of David... Who's the next son after Absalom? It says a handsome man, looks like a great king. He says, "I'm going to be king," and actually begins to gather people. It's like as another king. And but God had spoken, and David had already told Solomon, "You're going to be the king." So what happens? You'll find is that Solomon pushes through and puts his brother to death. He destroys some other guys. You can read the story. I've just been reading it in my own morning devotions. Happened to be working through the Bible. Just came to that story this week. He kills these and kills these. And then he's established. He's kind of ruthless. Shockingly ruthless. Putting to death every other person who tries to take the throne. Why? Because actually God has chosen him. And it's kind of that Old Testament stuff that's hard for us to understand. But he's ruthlessly determined to reign. And for us, we just need to see that the gospel has this ruthlessness about it. Jesus says to us, don't let anybody else reign in your life. Don't let any other claim come to the throne of your life. Take responsibility for yourself. And so if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. There's a, you've got to be ruthless. You've got to put stuff to death in order to let Jesus reign in your life. There has to be a kind of a ruthlessness. In fact, Jesus, we're told, at one time, he's preaching, uh, and he's teaching, and he's teaching so much, they're concerned for him, and his mother and brothers arrive, and they're outside the meeting, and the word comes through, your mother and your brothers are here. And Jesus says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Those who do the will of God, they're my mother and my brothers. And it sounds wonderful that's a bit harsh but he's so focused and i'm not going to be distracted he makes the same for his followers people say i'd like to follow you jesus is follow me they say oh just one minute jesus i just need to bury my father who recently died and jesus says let the dead bury their dead you follow me gosh that is so see sometimes you say i'm going to follow you jesus and someone says but hey son don't forget we paid for your degree don't forget, we're getting old. Hey, son, you, what do you mean you're going off to? Hey, what about... And Jesus cuts through and says, no, look, listen, who is ruling? Who's ruling? But, but sentiment, no, no, sentiment can't rule. You've just got to let go. You, you've got to go with me. And sometimes that cuts quite painfully into our lives. So you find, oh, I'm away from those I love. I'm away from... Se-. Yeah, come on, you follow Jesus. You, you let him... Be enthroned in your life. You put other voices, you have to be ruthless and put other voices to death. Some of them are the voices of sin. Your eye offending, your hand offending. These are these talking about sinful things. You have to deal the death blow to them. It says in Romans 8 if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. You'd be ruthless with things that want to pull you away into lust. Be ruthless, then you'll live. Again in Colossians 3, you've died, you've been raised with Christ. Put to death then the members of your earthly body, immorality, impurity, passion, greed. Put to death. Focus. There has to be the kind of ruthlessness. I know for myself, when I became a Christian... I'd never heard the gospel, I didn't know the gospel my parents were not believers I didn't have that huge privilege of being raised in a godly context, I knew nothing and so I just was typical of uh, my contemporaries and then one day, out of the blue I heard the gospel I thought, wow, I can have my sins forgiven I can have eternal life I can know God as Father wow, why didn't anybody tell me this before? I remember feeling oh, why haven't I ever heard, why has no one told me? And I knelt down the first time I ever heard the gospel. I said, Jesus, come into my heart. And I felt myself born again. And it's like, come on, uh, just move over a bit, idols. There's room for you. room in my heart for you, Lord. Uh, yeah, just a bit of room anyway. And, and so Jesus shared my heart with all kinds of things. All kinds of lusts and foolishness. And he's in there, kind of. I knew I was born of God, but... There was no ruthlessness. I just went to church on Sundays. And then one Sunday I'm in church and I mean it was a life-changing morning. I just went like I do any Sunday morning. And the guy preached, and God just came. It was frightening. First time in my life, I was scared. I felt God said to me, I want you. Have I got you? Are you for me or not? I felt things like it's now or never, Terry. It's now or never. Have I got your life? And honestly, I felt scared and wanted. This wonderful sense, God, wants me. But this terrible sense, it's now or never. And I remember going home, because you didn't invite people to the front. It was a very formal church, great preacher, but very formal church. And you just said, thank you very much and went home. And I got on my knees and said, God, I give you my life. I don't know what this is going to mean, but I know it meant I cut that off and cut that off. I lost those friends. I lost the places I used to go. I had to put other things to death so that he could reign. It says of Solomon here, he established the kingdom. All other pleasures, popularity, pleasing others. I read this phrase once, well begun... Is half done. Well, I started so badly. I wasted four years of my Christian life, which I've always regretted ever since. Well begun is half done. Did you start well? I started very, very poorly. I didn't put anything to death. I just asked Jesus on board. He's so kind and merciful, Jesus. (laughs) No wonder I love his grace. I often pray, Lord, how did you put up with? Why don't you spit me out? I was such a mess as a Christian. It says this in the message, Eugene Peterson's famous translation. Solomon took a firm grip on the reins of his kingdom. That's vivid, isn't it? Solomon took a firm grip on the reins of his kingdom. He sorted it, he made sure. You started well. Well begun is half done. You're on the track. He established it. Okay, let's see that. Now I want to just turn over the page with you. Uh, Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 1. Alright, we're going on a little journey uh, through this word this morning. We started with chapter 1, verse 1. Now we're going to chapter 2, verse 1. Solomon it says, decided to build a house for God. Solomon decided to build a house. The ESV says Solomon purposed to build a house. The old King James says. Solomon determined to build a house. Uh, the, the nearly inspired version, the NIV, uh, says <laughs> he gave orders. Now, what is, why, why is the NIV different to all the others? He gave orders? The others say he purposed, he determined, he, he, he decided. Gave orders? What's, what's the difference? Well, apparently the Hebrew word, I did a bit of research and looked into it, the Hebrew word literally says he said, and so the NIV translators have thought, well, if he said, he must have said it to somebody. He gave orders. So they've translated it, he gave orders. But all the other translations effectively say, he kind of said it to himself. He said it. It's like, I commit myself to this. I say, it's like, I say Jesus is Lord. It's like, it's making a statement that's going to affect what I do. It was a decision that he made, he decided. I want to just stay with this for a moment because I believe we live in a generation that lacks decisiveness. It's one of the characteristics of what's called the post-modern generation. Part of being this culture is you don't make decisions quickly. You kind of hang loose. Is the feel of the age. Well, what are you going to come? I'll see how I feel. Are we going to go to touch and touch? You going to be? Well, I may be. And, and I, I've noticed it, I've noticed it even in my children, uh, that sometimes, whereas I used to say, well, we'll do that on Thursday, okay, yeah, okay, we'll see you Thursday, and it might go in the diary, Thursday, I say, we'll do such and such, and they say, okay, I'll give you a call, I'll give you a call, yeah, because it's the cell, ch- uh, cell church, it's a cell phone <laughs> generation, it's like, I'll call you, well, why? We just said we'd do it, yeah, but I'll call you, because, well, something else may turn up, isn't that, isn't that the way it is, something else may turn up. And so we, that's kind of in the culture now. We'll we see how it goes. Maybe something better will turn up. So I won't commit myself. Committing yourself is quite a big deal. And people don't much like doing it. Even in marriage, they, they say, okay, we'll give it a go. Uh, but we may have a prenuptial arang- arrangement. Or they may not even have a marriage. They may say, well, look, just move in. Let's see how we get on together. Let's just find out. I saw on the television news, even since I've been here last week, in Mexico, they're talking about two-year marriages. And five-year marriages. Marriages for a season. See how it goes. And let's not get two, because the problems of divorce are so difficult, let's change the law. It's a two-year marriage. You think? So it's none of this forsaking all others. I give myself to you. For better, for worse, I give myself to you. No, it's I'll give myself to you and we'll see how it goes. And if I... Well, actually, this looks a bit better over here. Because well, I don't call me to say no to that, because th- all those possibilities... I don't want to be divide, de- decisive. To be honest, people are a bit like it theologically. Say, well, this is what I used to believe, but I don't know, this paperback is pretty exciting. And some of the stuff they're experiencing... I mean, I used to believe that, but I think... And people have become very flexible and i feel it's important just to see here he decided he made a step of decision based on a prior claim god had chosen him that's the whole point it's not that i'm a free agent really god has chosen me and on the 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 basis of he having chosen me that is going to affect decisions i make to prioritize You make decisions. You prioritize to keep those decisions. Do you have difficulty making decisions? Say, well, I like to keep my options open. Yeah, that's what the culture's like. That's the the generation we live in. And part of this generation is to say, no, come on, step out and say, I want to be what Jesus wants. I want to make these choices. Sometimes people pray, Or come at the end of a meeting and they say, would you pray for me? And I said, what would you like me to pray? They say, oh, just pray a blessing on me. That happens. And I usually find myself praying these sort of prayers. Lord, help her, help him to make really good choices. That's what I find I pray. Help them make good choices. Help them make good decisions. Because it's not, oh, just bless. So much of the Christian walk is making good choices keeping going on a path because no no that's important that isn't important that's the way i'm going to go otherwise we can just drift solomon determined in his heart he made a choice he gave god the first place then the next thing we see if you turn over again is the story unfolds chapter 3 verse 1 then solomon began to build all right so first of all He's got himself established. Secondly, he's got this dream. I'm going to build something for God. It's great to have a dream. So now that's my priority. I'd love to one day do this. I'd love to one day be the fastest 100-yard runner in the world. I'd love to be the best tennis player in the world. I, I just got this dream one day. So rightly, you have to start making decisions. And then you find Solomon began to build. And interesting, if you read the verse on, it says, He began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah where the Lord had appeared to his father David, at the place where David had prepared the threshing floor, or, 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 on the threshing floor of Arnon the Jebusite. And he began to build on the second day in the second month on the fourth year of his reign. Okay, so dates have started coming. Verse 3. Now these are the foundations which Solomon laid for the building of the house of God. The length in cubits, according to the old standard, was 60 cubits, and the width, 20 cubits. Ah, so I have a dream. Now I'm gonna begin to build. When you begin to build, dates start coming. You notice that? It's different to have a dream. I have a dream. You're gonna build? Yeah, I'm gonna build. When are you starting? Oh, do you have to start? Yeah, you have to start. <laughs> and, uh, and on Thursday nights, we have a program for people starting. What do you mean I have to commit myself? Yeah, dates. Dates. Dates start kicking in. What do you mean I have to get on the program? You yeah, have to get on the program. Well, I'd love to be a house leader. I could just feel myself. Are you going to come on the training? Oh, on the training? You mean a date? Yeah, a date. You have to have a date. And then not only dates, but qubits. I mean, what could be more boring than a qubit? <laughs> when you start to build, all kinds of reality kicks in. And beloved, that is the difference between dreamers and builders. That you don't get scared of dates, you don't get scared of commitment, you don't say, Well, you know, I love it. Well, I said, we'll see how it goes. Oh, Open hearted, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'd love think wow, church in St. Louis, that would be great. But are we going to build it? Yeah, we're going to build it. When does it start? Well, there's a date. There's a program. There's a course you can go on. See, I'd love to serve God in the Middle East. Whoa. Well, you have to learn Arabic. Arabic? And there's a course. It's every Thursday. What, you meant to turn up? And you have to learn verbs and nouns and vocabulary. All that stuff. Yeah yeah it doesn't happen without starting to build and you'll find with builders like nehemiah who's perhaps one of the greatest builders in the bible it's when you start to build that you hit the challenges it's when you it's when you it's when the dream begins to be something we're actually getting on with that you hit obstacles you don't have obstacles in dreams it's when you start to build. Nehemiah is, is building a wall for God. And then they said, What are you doing building here? How dare you build here? We don't want this wall here. It's like, How dare you come into our turf? We're just down there. Hey, what are you playing at? We know you And it, his motivation gets searched out. They said, We know what's on your heart. You want to be the king. You're building revolution. You're self motive. His motives are searched out by other people. Actually, he's got a pure heart. His passion is to see Zion rebuilt. But it's when he starts building that people say, yeah, I know what you're up to. You're self-seeking. You're a manipulator. You think, Man, I don't need this stuff. I'm just trying to serve God. Oh, yeah, but it's when you start building, you hit all kinds of problems. It's when you start building. It's well Will we keep building when people threaten? I mean, Nehemiah's life was threatened. They said to Nehemiah, they're going to come. They're coming at night. You better flee. And he said, who am I? He said, should such a man as I flee? He said, well, that sounds pretty arrogant, such a man as I. Nehemiah, you so proud, such a man. No, no, it doesn't mean he's proud. It's very clear if you read the book. He's not a proud man. What is he? He's a called cool man. I know God's called me to build. So should a called cool man run away? But those challenges, dear friends, only come when you start building. And so building takes time. Building takes commitment. Building takes being involved and being there. And beloved, that happens in your own life too. You have to start building your Christian walk. It talks about being rooted and built up in your faith. The Bible mixes metaphors, roots and bricks together. Rooted and built up. We get rooted into Jesus, but we also build. And how do you build? Well, to be honest, you've got to get to build build a prayer life. Would you say you're building a prayer life? Now we'll be saying in these next three nights that uh, God's grace is free and wonderful. And I'm not saying a different message this morning, but I'm saying you need to build a prayer life. You need to build. You need to... So as Jesus said, go into the room, shut the door, be with your father. Oh, but I find my mind goes all over. No, no, just do it. Begin to build a prayer life. you doing that? Begin to build a, a knowledge of the word of God. Growing up in your knowledge of the Lord. He said, oh, I don't understand the hard words. Propitiation, substitutionary atonement, justification, sanctification. It's the words are too strong. Just tell me a psalm or something. <laughs> I often feel that when you when you go into uh you go into Starbucks, and you look at all these you know latte and you think you learn those words, don't you? I get lost in there. Now you learn the words. You learn the words about your laptop. You learn the words because you want to know how to work it. You've got to start learning the words. Build, build, build. When I first left work, I felt God called me. I went to be an evangelist, do door to door. I'd not been to any Bible college at the time, and I thought, Well, I don't, I don't know the faith very well. I can tell someone come to Jesus. So I bought myself a, a Louis of systematic theology, and it was very tiny print. I mean, you needed like, and it was you know, miserably tight. Not like Wayne Grudem, you know, big print and questions at the end. Have you bought yourself anything like? Have you ever thought about? what do I believe? So I got exercise books and I'm writing it in. Okay, Jesus is a priest. Okay, he's a king. Okay, he's prophet. Jesus, prophet, priest and king. Okay, I'm getting this. The Trinity, the Father, the Son. I'm I'm, I'm learning. I'm beginning to build some knowledge. You're building your knowledge? Getting to know God? You've got to start building, dear friends. I have to say, "I'm I'm going to build a life for Jesus. I want to get... Involved. I'm not just going to have a dream. You say, well, I tried. They didn't work for me. It says in John, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But look in the context. He said, if you continue in my word, then you will be my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not a verse that you're supposed to pluck out of its setting, know the truth. It's like, if you continue, if you... See, sometimes, oh, I tried, didn't work. Did you continue in it? If you continue in my word, then you'll know the truth. Oh, I see it. I get it. I'm getting more revelation. I'm understanding it. I'm working it through. You see, a lot of oversized people know that if you eat that diet, you'll lose weight. They know it, but it doesn't actually do much for them. You have to work it through, and then that truth will do stuff. Now, knowing the truth of God... We have to be builders. God wants us to build a life. Ed Cole says, people think maturity comes with age. But he says, no, no. Growing old comes with age. (laughs) Maturity comes with taking responsibility. Haven't you seen that? I've seen that. I've seen some amazingly mature young guys and girls. Girls who walk into an office and say, Give it to me, I'll take hold. You think, gosh, she's so mature. He's so mature. What do we mean? We mean taking responsibility. What is a leader? A leader is someone who says, I'll take responsibility. Oh, I want to be a leader. You want resp- No, No, I just want to be a platform. <laughs> no, it's about taking responsibility. It's beginning to build. And then over the page again... We're pressing on through 2 Chronicles. We won't go to the very end, I promise you. But we are going to chapter 5 now. We skip two chapters. It takes longer when you're building. Okay, chapter 5. Thus, all the work that Solomon performed for the house of the Lord was finished. All right, then there's a tremendously important word. He decided to do it. He began to build. He completed it finished it he brought it to completion. I, I called my daughter Anna in Cape Town because I wanted to get a picture to illustrate what I'm saying and uh, there's a very famous flyover I don't know if you use that phrase in America uh, it's a double road and it goes up over, over to, in Cape Town It's very famous, very visible as you're going right down to the center of the city. This is flyover it comes up. And it stops. It just stops. But no one's working on it anymore. There's no cranes there. There's no worksite. It's just stopped. And so this is, they've worked. this wonderful. Boom, it's finished. And they walked away from it years ago. And you drive around Cape Town and you just see this road that stops. And uh, you think, ah, that's weird. And I thought, I'd love to get that picture so I can think, now, something we start... But did you finish it? And... Uh, Anna was away, and, and it was a bit of delay. And actually, Steve, her husband, wrote to me. said, Terry, have you seen that website? And he put the thing on. I just pressed, as you do. And up comes a website, and it's all bridges and flyovers all over the world. There's a stop. There's loads of pictures of these things. They look so magnificent, but they don't go anywhere. It's like, wow, what an idea. And so, I mean, it's like... It's like all the stuff in your loft. Let's do this. Uh, let's, uh, or in your garage, maybe. How many things do we have in our garage or in our loft? Well, we started it, but uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's finished. He finished it. He actually did it. He brought it to completion. And this is one of the challenges that lies before us, to complete, to bring to completion, to be able to say, Lord, I did it did it, I did the work you gave me to do that's what Jesus prays in John 17 I've, I've glorified you on the earth I completed the work you gave me to do so Solomon followed a man who, who says he fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation we follow one who did that And there's a work. We're his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for works he prepared beforehand for us to walk in. For us, when we meet him on that day, is to be able to say, Lord, I did it. I did it. You know what a terrible start I brought? You know what a mess I brought to the table? Just sin and backsliding. And you saved me. And I I determined to put you first. And I I thought, I'm going to start building. And I did it. I did it, Lord. Or for him to say, you did it. You didn't abandon it. It's so easy to abandon. Jesus said men are always to pray and not give up. It's very easy to give up. You can give up for all sorts of reasons. You can get distracted. I, I can think of a guy, and it, and it always kind of pains me to think about it, a guy who led a big church and led a movement. When we first got started in what we now call New Frontiers, there are a number of groups around the uk similar groups very similar mr fellowship i think of one guy and, and, and i mean it always affects me that he one day in his middle years really i guess was still quite a young man had cancer i mean serious serious cancer and i remember seeing him afterwards because he got through it he just wonderfully got through it and i said tell me about it he said, "Well, I just know all the books. I know about healing. I know it's a battle." I, he said, "I said to God, I'm just going to choose." And he chose John's gospel. He said, "Please speak to me. Through I'm just I'm not going to look anywhere else. I'm not going to ask. I'm just just speak to me." And he read through John's gospel and stumbled on a verse. I don't know if it was a verse a passage, and that did it. That gave him. He just felt, "No, God's told me it's going to be all right." And he just plunged all his faith into that. And he held on to God, believed God, and was supernaturally made well. Wonderful. I thought, wow. I, just, I was proud to know him. I thought, boy, you've really done well. And I was so moved with his testimony. Two, three years later, he left his wife. And then he left that woman and went off with another woman. I thought, but you came through that. I mean, how does that happen? It comes. It happens when you... You don't listen to your conscience when you are careless. Maybe when you've won a great victory and look safe. And I mean, not only did he, the, whole, the, the, the group, the family of churches we call ourselves, doesn't exist anymore. It just isn't there. It's gone. It's completely gone. Because there came a time when he, he's building, but it says in the scriptures that you make shipwreck keeping faith and a good conscience which some reject and suffer shipwreck. He didn't listen to his conscience. He must have had many times when God must have said to him, don't go there, you know better than that. There's no way a guy, especially a guy who's a leader, there's no way any normal Christian even can just wander into that without any God saying, hey, hey, what are you doing, what are you doing? He just pressed through. He didn't listen to his conscience. I read of the Titanic captain recently. I didn't know this, but the captain of the Titanic had several warnings. People said, Beware, there's danger there. There's ice there. Take care. He ignored all the warnings. He wanted to get the speed uh, record for crossing the Atlantic. He was near retirement. He had this magnificent ship, and he ignored the warnings. You can't afford to. You want to finish. You don't have to fall out. You don't have to miss I Get halfway. So well, that was a great start, but look, that's a useless bridge there. It doesn't go anywhere. He started well, but didn't finish. Solomon finished, and beloved, to finish you have to. You don't give in to. It. See, it says of Demas, the man in the Bible is referred to two or three times, and the last time he's referred to in Second Timothy, Paul says Demas has left me. He's a co-worker with Paul. He's left me having fallen in love with this passing age. He thought, wow, look, this! Oh, I could have that. And he just left. Distractions. Despondency can make you leave. You can think, oh, I've had enough of this. It's hard. You start planning a church, it's hard. People let you down. You think, oh, maybe I'm not made for this. See, the, the devil loves to make you despondent, makes you feel, oh, you're no good. You're not good at it. And you think you're just being honest with yourself and throw in the towel. No, no, no. You say, No, God chose me for this. I didn't become a Christian because I'm impressive. I'm not serving God because I'm very unimpressive indeed. But God chose me. That's what that's, that's Solomon's stand. Consider this the Lord chose you. So you don't throw in. You keep going. You keep moving on. You don't get disillusioned. You press into what God has for you. I want to just speak of one other before I close. I want to speak about one who did finish well. Solomon actually, he parallels Jesus in so many ways. David is told you will have a son. And it's often speaking of Solomon, but actually behind it is speaking of Jesus, a son who will come. And he's the one who hears when he's baptised. This is my chosen. This is my beloved. The chosen one. Jesus, the chosen one. He goes into the wilderness. Satan offers him all sorts of things. He's nah. Nah, nah, nah. I'm going to obey this way. He's so clear. He's so clear. He won't be distracted. My son Joel, he's a remarkable, beautiful boy. And... Uh, he said to me one day, he said, Dad, have you ever noticed, he said, uh, Robin Hood is the church. Robin Hood and his merry men. I mean, there's the hint, isn't it, merry men. And uh, I said, that's the church? He said, yeah, yeah. There's the king's away, there's the usurper, but Robin Hood and his men are going to be loyal to the foreign king. At the end of the story, the king comes back, there's a wedding. I mean, it's the, it's the church, isn't it? I said, okay, it's the church. <laughs> Especially the Kevin Cosner one. Right? You gotta, if you, there's no other Robin Hood, I'm sorry. Russell Crowe, no, forget it. This is the one. I mean, that's the one. It's magnificent. It's so glorious. And uh, in, the, in the Kevin Cosner one, I mean, you can't beat that sheriff of Nottingham. He's wonderful, isn't he? Anyway, in, that, in the Kevin Cosner one, uh, the, it, it, there's a guy in it who, who's really suspicious of Kevin Cosner because Kevin Cosner is the son of a, a, a wealthy man. Robin Hood's supposed to be. An Earl of whatever. And uh, he's come in amongst these ne'er-do-wells. And, and he said, come on, let's be an army. And they get into a battle, and there's backlash, and there's fire, and they're like routed. And this guy says to, says to Robin Hood, he says, because he doesn't trust him, he doesn't, and he's going against him. He says, okay, rich boy, you started something. You're going to finish it? Because it all looks so bad now. It's all gone wrong. Okay, rich boy. You don't belong here anyway. I guess you'll leave us now. And when, I, when Joel said to me, it's like, it's like, the church. Like I thought, no, I can see Jesus here. Okay, rich boy, who doesn't belong here. You're gonna finish this. You could say that at the cross, couldn't you? Okay, rich boy. You don't belong here. You started something. You're gonna finish it. And they said to him, come down. Come down. He saved others. He can't save himself. He finished it. He said, it is finished. We follow a saviour, dear friends, who finished it. That's why we're safe. That's why we're accepted. That's why he could offer mercy to a guy on the next cross. He Completed what his father sent him to do. It's a finished, finished work. We follow a savior who completed the task. He said, I will build my church. Such commitment. I'm going to build it. He built it with such weird people. You know, Peter, James, they're such a mess. Should we been called on fire. Can I sit on the right hand and left hand? You think, boy, what a group to build with. She said, No, I'm going to build. And in the end, he said, It is accomplished. Dear friends, if you're a believer, it's because God loves you wants you. He wants you to understand the dignity he's given your life. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Go for it. Believe God, that He has purpose for you. Make good choices put first the kingdom. Don't be scared. Get your hands dirty. Get committed. So when, a small group leader? How do you become a small group leader? Do I need to be trained? Yeah, you need some training. We're going to build something for God. Or maybe you've come in here this morning you don't actually know Jesus yet. Like this guy we heard about in the first session. He's still finding his way. Perhaps you're finding your way. You may not have come from a far country but you're still finding your way. I want to encourage you. Come and find purpose and meaning in Jesus who blotted out all our sin. As we've been singing in our great songs, that crimson stain that's messing you up before a holy God, he can make it white as snow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you, he could say one greater than Solomon is here. We thank you for your focus, Lord Jesus, your Determined purpose. You set your face like a flint. You fought your way to the cross. You determined to please the Father, drink the cup He gave you. And Father, I just pray for this dear church. I thank you so much for it. I thank you for this church you've raised up. I thank you for the courage of those early days and years. Thank you for the determination. Thank you for the growth. Thank you for the steadfastness. Father, we just come to you because we know we're frail, Lord. We know. We have our bad days, Lord, when we feel, I've had enough of this. Lord, even in our homes, in our families, in our small groups, we find, do I have to put up with him any longer? Lord, you know we have bad days. We just say, Lord, help us. Help us. To keep building for your glory. We thank you. We have in our heart who finished well we thank you lord christ is in us we have one in us of whom it said he will not be discouraged lord jesus let us draw upon you let us build for your praise and for your glory bless us as we follow after you we pray in jesus name amen thank you